Hello, Connecticut. Hello, Connecticut. How you and doing, And surrounding states. How you doing? How am I doing? I'm, yes. I'm managing. I, you know, it's been tough, as I'm sure it's been for everyone. But summer summer's going to be good. I'm glad the semester's over, you know. That took a, a load off. I, I completely understand. I feel like having seven hours straight every single day of assignments was a little bit detrimental to my mental health but you know oh geez well thankfully i didn't have seven hours of work but we're here and we're ready to make a ton of episodes and release them yep coming at you over zoom over zoom not sponsored i am recording from my secret lair which is not my dining room in massachusetts and i am in the glorious state of connecticut the nutmeg state the state which this podcast is about. But, um, yeah, so if you couldn't tell already, we kind of changed the format around, decided to go the little more traditional, conversational podcast route. And this is our first episode in the new format. Yeah, so our new format's basically going to be both of us just doing a bit of research and having a conversation about our locations and really... You can get to know us better than you did before in our original format, which was writing scripts and having no personality. So you're going to meet the real (laughs) us. All right. All right. Shall we hop right into it? Let's go. This episode is on the interesting, shocking, and condensed life of P.T. Barnum, entertainment mogul, philanthropist, politician, slave owner, and Connecticut native. You're listening to Curious Connecticut. Hi, everybody. So before we can get started on the main topic of this episode, we're first going to give some backstory on uh, a famous person in history, P.T. Barnum. This episode is part one of two. This episode will focus on the life of P.T. Barnum, and the next episode will be on the Hartford Circus Fire. And the reason we're giving this backstory is because the Circus Fire actually was um, uh, the Barnum and Bailey Circus. And fun fact, P.T. Barnum was actually born in Connecticut and died in Connecticut and is buried in Connecticut and spent most of his life in Connecticut. So we're going to talk a little bit about him. Hardcore Connecticut. Connecticut? Is that what they call themselves? What do you call yourself? Um, I've heard the phrase nutmeggers, but I've never like heard it. Like I've heard people say that that's what we're but I've never actually heard anyone refer to us that way. Uh, I don't think I'm going to start calling people nutmeggers. Usually, usually people just call us bad drivers. All right, so he's a bad driver born and raised. (laughs) But I'm tissed. So P.T. Barnum was born July 5th, 1810 in Bethel, Connecticut, which is a little rural town. He died at the age of 80 in Bridgeport, Connecticut, and is buried there at Mountain Grove Cemetery. He actually served as a legislator for the Connecticut House of Representatives and was a big um, big actor in passing the 13th Amendment. He is quoted with saying, A human soul that God has created and Christ died for is not to be trifled with. 
So he actually was a pretty liberal guy back in his day. The Greatest Showman is about P.T. Barnum. Is it really? And I, li- I would like to talk about this because I have a small rant about that musical, but I feel like they really didn't talk about the fact that he was an awful person who like took advantage of people. Well, um, I just said he was a, a good person. I mean, 50, I mean, 50. like no circus person is great because like they do, um, unfortunately exploit animals and people with um, disabilities. And I think that's what they didn't touch upon. The fact that he was just like ruthlessly um, making money off of people through like ridicule and being like, look at the man with one hand, you know, and they made it seem like he's like a whimsical, like um, bringer. He like unites all the misfits or whatever they said in the movie. But um, yeah, he's, he's a, he's a Jack of all trades. It seems he seems like he was like an entertainment mogul, but he also did like a bunch of other stuff. Yeah. He was big in politics. He was actually mayor of Bridgeport in 1875. And he didn't. And he did a lot to um, improve the water supply, bring gas lighting to the streets, which I'm sure for the time was very modern. One of the many things that P.T. Barnum was known for was his like womanizing nature. Um, so he, but he was he actually a, against prostitution. Interesting, because it's it's funny because he kind of pulled the biggest jerk move. So he was married to a woman named Charity Hallett for a good 50 years or so, at least, at least 40 years. And they've had, a, they had a couple of children, but like right after his wife died, he married his best friend's daughter who was like 40 years younger than him. I see that. Yes. Wow. That's hmm. well, it, it, it was the 1800s, but the thing he's most famous for, obviously, is the Barnum and Bailey Circus. But he didn't actually start his circus business until he was sixty years old, so pretty pretty late in his life, actually. If you really look at P.T. Barnum's early career as like a as an entertainer, it's kind of kind of disconcerting. I, I, it says it says that um in in eighteen thirty five when he was a young man he he bought a blind and paralyzed woman who was a slave named Joyce Heth. And Uh him and an acquaintance brought her around Philadelphia as like a sideshow attraction that he was, that she was like George Washington's former nurse. And also that she was 161 years old. And wait, but she wasn't actually George Washington's nurse or 160 years old. Right. She was not, but she was a slave and he actually found a really weird loophole in New York. Cause like slavery was outlawed in New York and most likely Pennsylvania too. But um, apparently he exploited this kind of like hole in the system where he could lease her ownership for a year. So if you lease a slave, you get to keep them in a non-slave owning state. Cause technically you lease them. So you're still paying off, the property or something like that. So interesting, interesting. He, he leased her for a thousand dollars, but um, he worked. He he showed her as an attraction for around twelve hours a day, and even after she died at um 
at 80 years old it was obvious that she was 80 years old and not 161 like he basically said but even after her death he made a sideshow attraction hosting a live autopsy of her body in a new york bar where people would pay like a half a dollar to see her cut into pieces yeah that does sound pretty messed up but that's really interesting considering that he was a huge proponent a proponent of the 13th amendment but it's, he himself technically owned people it, that's that's the thing about him is it's really really like he's not he doesn't he seems to bounce between ideas he seems like a hypocrite cuz it, it mentions that <laughs> he was he was a democrat politically and then he ch- yeah and then he changed right, his re- yeah right before the civil war like a couple years before the civil war so it seems yeah. like he he balances between whichever one will benefit him. Yeah. He seem he seems like a not like a con man, but he seems like a grifter. Well, instead of talking about what he seems like, let's talk about what he actually did. Yes. Uh, After some financial trouble, he actually bought a museum in New York City located on Broadway and Anne in 1841. He renamed the museum. It was originally called Scudder's American Museum, but he renamed it Barnum's American Museum, which became like a um, showcase of of interesting peoples that he found all over the country and the world. So there were like stuffed animals, like um, taxidermied animals. He would have people just take animals and sew two different animals together and be like, I found the sea walrus or like the, 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 the land, the, the land whale. And people would, would come from all over to really bear witness to these fake animals that they didn't really know were fake. But he also had quite a many people as part of his exhibitions, people who have albinism, giants, little people. But he also had like normal circus stuff like clowns and magicians. Um, and of course, an elephant. And an elephant. He he had a great... He, he was well known for having showcases that are famous in American history, um, like the Fiji Mermaid, um, which... And Tom Thumb. Tom Thumb, General Tom Thumb, who was... People who, know who, that who, name. Who, it's a household named name. The smallest person that ever walked alone, which I don't know what that's supposed to mean, but... um. um I think they mean, like... The excluding babies. Oh, okay, okay. Um, people look back on him now and say, like, "Oh, he was a he was a grifter. He just basically most of his things were big hoaxes." But um, like the Fiji mermaid is a great example. Even after the hoaxes, he rebranded those hoaxes, saying, "Oh, I never said they were real. They're just advertisements to draw people to the museum." And he was quoted in saying, I don't believe in duping the public, but I believe in first attracting and then pleasing them. So there's there's no real way to really verify that half the things he said and did were were real things and not something he did in like a back room sewing together two different animals. So basically he was like the creator of clickbait, but like before the internet. Yeah, he's the clickbait master. And he would clickbait people before they could click. He would clickbait people in real life. 
he also um he also brought his 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 menagerie of of people and and animals and stuff like that all over the world he even um he even brought tom thumb to meet queen victoria and the czar of russia so yeah poor tom thumb i mean I don't know. I'm sure he had fun meeting the queen, but he also was drinking wine when he was five and smoking cigars when he was seven. We could for, definitely just do, like as part of his act. Oh, totally. I mean, we could definitely do a whole episode on Tom Thumb because he's a very he's a very interesting figure. Yeah, and well known. I mean, I, I I you remember Vic when I I did like a bit of research for for one of our classes on human zoos. Um, yes grabbed Native Americans and natives from all over the world and made them a sideshow attraction. And that was definitely Mm -hmm. part of his act was just like, look at this person from another world. And it, there's definitely this aspect of him just like dehumanizing people that were different. Yeah. Showing people um, off as objects. You know, in the later days of PT Barnum's museum in 1846, around then people it was drawing 400,000 visitors a year so i mean he was definitely his 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 clickbait was working so to speak <laughs> yeah he also bought tons of museums he bought dozens of museums and kind of was spreading his influence all over the country a real businessman so i guess uh, he lived a long happy life in connecticut exploiting people who were different for money. <laughs> he also was credited with changing the image of theaters in American um, kind of entertainment. Yeah, he did do some some positive things. He tried to re- he spent a good deal of his time repurposing theaters in New York City. At the time, I I I don't think we would have enough time to really go back into the, like the reasons why theater was kind of looked down upon after this time he wanted to rebrand plays and musicals as like as a place for entertainment for middle class people rather than just being like a low class delight they were actually kind of known as dens of evils and so he built the new york city's largest and most modern theater in in the city he called it the moral lecture room he would make matinees for for families to 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 really reshape their image of theater, which is really interesting. He did play he he did watered down Shakespearean plays to lessen the judgment of 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 the sordid nature of some of his plays, and he also did uh, Uncle Tom's Cabin. Wow, his work in theater is actually really huge, considering that now, you know, when you go to Broadway for a show, it's considered almost an upper class activity of course so he really did a lot to change the image of theater he wrote an autobiography that mark twain actually in uh, mark twain samuel clemens who was also a connecticut another native. connecticut <laughs> yeah we, we'll, we'll definitely discuss his nature as a as a connecticut person in another episode but um he he was a man who was well connected it, it definitely is evident sure. by his connections all over the country. I mean, he met the queen. He met the queen. Of he England. met he met world leaders and royalty all over the world. He actually did a great deal of infrastructure building in Connecticut, 
So he was actually one of the people who helped develop East Bridgeport, Connecticut. Yeah, he, he did. The, so he did do some good things. He did some good things, but I, I, he's he's one of those figures in history that like you he his good deeds and his bad deeds are on like a scale. He apparently created the first aquarium. Huh. Oh, so we we're not going to get into the be- details of Siamese twins. Uh, I'm using the term that they were called um, conjoined <laughs> twins, Chen and Ang. There's their whole story for themselves, and they're such an interesting like life, so to speak. At the end of their like careers, they were running out of money because they were living on their own, separate from showbiz. So they went back into the entertainment in- uh, industry to finance their lifestyle. So he went back to work with P.T. Barnum and his his sideshow attractions. He also, you know, it's difficult to really. When you talk about his sideshow attractions that involve people, it's 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 difficult to really. They weren't exactly politically correct. He invented um, he invented a fake language for a African American little person to speak. Oh gosh! Yeah, he had sideshows like the bearded lady and the man monkey. Yeah. After the Civil War and during the Civil War, he actually hired people who were in uh, important to the war effort. He had multiple people who were spies for the Union after the war tell their stories. And he even had like little battlefield like miniatures set up. So really, he was just capitalizing on whatever was really popular at the time period. Yep, a true capitalist. A true capitalist. During his ninety-three concerts for his his um for his business, he actually earned around five hundred thousand dollars in his time, which actually equates to over fifty million dollars in today's wow. money. So he was definitely rolling rolling in it. Mm-hmm. One um, of the the bougie. But he, but he, it's interesting because he was against slavery, but also enslaved his his circus acts or the people that he used he didn't pay them for much. his acts. Yeah, and it seems like he was basically just taking advantage of tons of people for for their disabilities. Yeah, interesting tidbit about his connection with higher institutions. Our college's adversary, Tufts University, they oh, actually okay. got their. I would, I would, I wouldn't make enemies here. I'd say adversary. I didn't say enemy. He was actually on the board of trustees for Tufts University and making one of his elephants the Tufts mascot, Jumbo. Which is still their mascot today. Yes, it is. But it's not as cool as a bantam, I have to say. It's not as cool as a bantam. And if you don't know what a bantam is, look it up. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, he had kind of a controversial life with the the one thing you can't deny is that he was his circus business was incredibly successful. I mean, the Barnum and Bailey Circus, like people still know that name today. Bridgeport, I mean, the man built the city of Bridgeport, and it's it's incredible to really look at his effect on the state itself. Well, he's even on a 1936 commemorative half dollar that has his face on it in Connecticut, and I'm not sure if that's just like a Connecticut currency. But uh, the- no, it's for like coin collectors. I actually used to collect coins. Oh my so. goodness! 
we so should find I don't, one. I don't, I don't have the, the PC that, Barnum coin, but uh, that's a weird flex. I'll, I'll be on the did. lookout for it. You have to. But the craziest part is the city of Bridgeport is littered with his name on stuff, plaques on there. He actually built four of his own mansions for himself in the city. Holy crap! He he was praised. I think after his death, they really posed his character as a person as like ingenuitive and like pulling up from his bootstraps to create an industry around entertainment which is really um fun fact about his mansion he named it iranistan interesting the one in bridgeport interesting (laughs) so i think we've given quite a bit of backstory on pt barnum i mean we could we could talk for hours about this man's um yeah definitely led an interesting life he he was a man about town for sure but what we want to talk about the main purpose of this episode is to discuss the 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 hartford circus fire which is one of one of one of the most tragic incidents in circus history This episode was written, performed, and produced by Victoria Asfalk and Maxwell Nordeman. A big thank you to Mary Mahoney, and a big thank you to Brooke Agro for her logo design. You've been listening to Curious Connecticut. Oh,